0: Throughout the month, we have been looking at things that Jesus has told us to do. Now I don't know how many of you are parents in here, uh, but those of you that are parents understand what it is to tell someone what to do. It's just part of what what our job is as parents. We tell them what to do. I personally love to, I love to do lists. I love, you know, here's here's your to-do list. Does anybody else do to-do lists? I get a little pushback in the family from to-do lists, but I really like, because, because what always, the question that follows is, how long is this gonna take, and then what's next? So I feel I can really head that off at the pass by giving the list that shows exactly what, what I'm thinking of for the day, and I really like to get up before everybody else gets up and have my cup of coffee so I can concentrate on the list, okay? I think that's very important because you need to really think this thing through. But what we're, we're doing this month is we're looking at things that Jesus has told us to do, and as I mentioned earlier, this is a very special week here at Silver Creek, Uh, I'm very excited about it. It's something that we began last year and something that, uh, that I'm looking forward to. We call it Serve Week, and it's designed to give every one of us the opportunity to serve others. Now, the problem is that in our culture, we do not automatically think of these things. We are an independent people. In fact, I would dare say that that here in the UP we are some of the most independent people, uh, literally in in the country and and maybe the world because of of our climate and because of the way things happen. We we believe in wood cutting. We believe in wood burning. And and you you know the 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 the, the chainsaw is the birthright of every man in the UP. And and I'm telling you that that just nothing says you're a you're an independent man like cutting down your own wood and burning it in your own fireplace. We are an independent people. We have been taught that we need to work hard, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and take care of ourselves, right? I think, that, I think that's, we, you can agree with that. I'm not trying to trick you or fool you, okay? But, but consequently, we look at others and we expect that others will do exactly the same thing. You need to stand up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, pull up your big boy and your big girl pants, and you need to help yourself. And so we don't look at serving the way that that we read about serving in the scripture. We, We see it a little bit differently. But I want you to understand that Jesus has called you and I to serve. Now, I have to admit, okay, that, that I, I'm I'm there's a stark comparison as I look out over this beautiful group of people here today. Uh, two Sundays ago the church that I preached in was dirt floors. It it had a roof. It had slatted walls, um, you know, that the breeze could get through. There were no doors, you know, on the building. And it was red clay that literally had been walked on until it had a shine to it, okay? And I look at those people that were there, and I look at us, and I realize that the poorest of us here today would represent the wealthiest of those people the millions of people that we encountered driving up and down the the streets of that city, what what they faced was was something that most of us cannot comprehend. We've been given a tremendous gift uh, as Americans, and that gift that we've been given to us is a gift of choice. You see, you and I don't have to spend the rest of our day today, trying to survive. We don't have to try to figure out where our next meal is coming from, generally speaking, in our culture. We have been given a choice of what to do with our time. That is a commodity that you and I have been given that many others in the world do not have. And I believe that every man, woman, and young person that's a part of Silver Creek Church should make the choice to use that time in a way that benefits someone else because Jesus calls us to do so. John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, said this, You have not lived today successfully unless you've done something for someone who can never repay you. That's what Serve Week is all about. Doing something for other people who can never repay us for what we do for them. That's what Serve Week is all about. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at something that's mentioned three different times in the New Testament in fact, Jesus comes right out and says, do this. It's like that to-do list that I make for my kids. I'm, I spell it out very specifically. When I say, vacuum all carpet. When I say, empty, and you have to say, all garbage cans. Okay? Okay? And if they if they want to take that beyond just our house, I leave that up to them. But it needs to know they need to know that it it's it's definitely for for everything all inclusive in this house. That means it's in the basement. That means it's in the kitchen and it's in the bathroom and it's in the bedroom. It's all of them. We leave Jesus said I want you to do this. In fact, in John 13:35 or excuse me, 13:15. Jesus said, "I have set an example I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. That's pretty potent. That's pretty specific. There's no getting around that. Jesus is saying, I've done this for you. I've been an example to you. Now I want you to go and do for others as I have done for you. And let me tell you what he was talking about. He was talking about washing people's feet. Washing people's feet. this idea of foot washing is something that was done in that part of the world, in desert climates as a means of refreshing people. Genesis chapter 18 verse four, it says, "Let a little water be brought and then you may wash all wash your feet and rest under this tree. You see, in the case of ordinary people, when when they would come into someone's home, the host would furnish water for them to put their feet in and then be able to to get the dirt off them and dry their feet off. If it was a a home that had greater resources, uh, then, then somebody, generally a slave in that household, would be given the task of actually doing the washing of that person's feet. So it depended on the type of home that you entered But that job of washing that person's feet in that culture was looked upon as the lowest of all services. And I want you and I to take a look because there are three different occasions in Scripture uh, that show us in the New Testament about this idea of washing feet that I believe speak to you and I today as we prepare to engage in Serve Week 2019. So here's what they are. The first one is this. The widows wash the feet of the disciples. Now, in Paul's first letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he instructs Timothy to care for various people in the church. In 1 Timothy five, uh, Paul addresses caring specifically for widows. This had been an issue in the church since the beginning. In Acts chapter six, right at the beginning of the church, there's a there's a, really a, um, I don't want to say a dispute, but there is a there's an issue in the church because uh, there was there was a disagreement because it was perceived that the Grecian Widows And the Hebraic widows were not being treated the same equally in the distribution of food. Now these were all believers as they came into the church. And the church recognized that we need to minister to these people. And so there was, there was a discrepancy there. And in chapter five there of First Timothy, Paul gives advice on caring for, for these people. Uh, and look at verses three and four. He says, "Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And so repaying their grandparents and their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing. These women had lost their husbands. They were past the age of remarrying. They had no family, no extended family who could provide for them financially. There was no such thing as Social Security. Saw that real clearly in Yaoundé, in the streets of Yaoundé. There is no no net socially for those that have nothing in that country. These women, there were no pensions for them. There were no 401Ks for them. They had nothing. There was nothing in Judean society, nothing in the Roman uh, government that would provide for these women. So as they, be, they came into the body of Christ, if they met the criteria, they were put on a list. So beyond her financial condition... This this woman, this widow, needed to have a reputation for serving others. Look at verses 9 and 10. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60. She's been faithful to her husband and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. Now, Paul is mentioning the washing of the disciples' feet here, uh, not as suggesting some religious rite that should be instituted in the church. But we can look back in history to the 11th century. And a French Benedictine monk named Bernard of Clairvaux advocated that the Catholic Church would actually begin uh, instituting foot washing as a means of receiving grace, that the Church should make this a sacrament. In fact, I, and I didn't know this, but on Monday, Thursday, uh, people uh, that are at the top of the Catholic Church participate in a ceremonial foot washing that is still related back to the 11th century. There are several denominations here in the U.S. that still hold foot washing as an ordinance. The Mennonites, the Dunkards, the Church of the Brethren, the Church of God, just to name a few of them. But Paul mentions foot washing not as a, a, a thing that they needed to include in their doctrine, but he, he mentions it because it's on a list of things that are considered to be good deeds. It's not a punishment. It's not an attempt to humiliate anyone in the church. It's symbolic of humility and service which was required by those who were supported by the church. So foot washing in this instance was done from one believer to another. It was a lateral ministry. Are you getting what I'm saying? It was, it was not done as a way of, of getting grace from God. It was not something that was done to humiliate someone. It was done from one believer to another. It was lateral. They were to serve one another. Serving has multiple levels to it, and the first level that I want us to understand is that God calls you and I to serve others within the body of Christ in humility First Peter 5 five Peter says, all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another, washing someone's feet the idea of serving them that is a An act of humility. Immediately following the Last Supper, Jesus' disciples were arguing about who was the greatest. And Jesus acknowledges that the king of the Gentiles lord their authority over their subjects. But look at what Jesus said in Luke 22, uh, in verse 26. He said, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is not the one who is at the table but I am among you as one who serves. Now, I have to tell you, I learned some things, and, and I had this message prepared before I left, but I learned some things that, have, that enlightened these, these words. Um, when I got home, I, I told my wife, I said, honey, thank you for indoctrinating me back into our culture um, because I said, this is the first meal that I've made for myself since I left. When I was gone, I did not, make, I did not lift a hand to prepare literally anything that I ate unless I brought it with me. Every single meal was prepared and laid out and the table set before me. Every dish. Now, this, this was really difficult for me. Because I'm a, I eat it, I need to take my dish and put it away, I need to take care and help wash dishes and stuff like that. I, the serving. And these, these were not people that had no other abilities. They were the, sometimes the leaders of ministries that were nationwide ministries and they were serving us. It was, it was such an example to me. Such an example in in the culture uh, there in, in Cameroon. You were honored if you were older. We made visits to homes. That one day you'll get to you'll get to go visit those triumph. <laughs> again, again. We went to those homes and I thought, why are we why are we taking an entire day when we first arrived to make these trips around the city? to go see these people and we would go in the home, sit down and basically be served a meal. People would automatically show up with refreshments from the market. They did not have them in their home, they went out to get them, why? We were there to honor the leaders of those families, the patriarchs in those families. They honor age. In America, we honor youth. If you look young, if you dress young, if you act young, if you are young, that's it's 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 the young that we that we lift up here in America, not those that are older. But what Paul or what Jesus is saying here is that is that if we want to become the greatest, we should be we should be like the ones who serve. We should be like those who serve others. The way of the world, friends, is to rise to the level where others serve you. That is the way of the world. The way of the kingdom of God is to rise to a level where you are willing to serve others. That's following Jesus' example. If we're unwilling Or unable to serve others. We are rejecting the way of the kingdom of God. Are you with me? And I realize this is a struggle. Because we're independent people. I struggled immediately upon the first church that we pulled up to, the first thing that we were there to do when, when a, a gentleman approached me and he, he reached out to take my backpack. I thought, this guy's kind of grabby. I'm like, no, re- buddy, I got it, really. No, and sling it up over my shoulder. I got it. I got it. I'm just being honest with you. What do I think as an American? I can do it. His heart was to serve. It was hard for me to accept his serving. Why? Because I'm capable. We, that's how we're trained. That's why we, we, te- we tell our kids that. I don't have to carry this for you, you carry it for yourself. Correct? You don't think that's made an impact on our lives? We want to be self-sufficient. We want to stand on our own. And that's good. Except sometimes we take it to the place where we, we can't even receive someone else serving. And then we think, well, if I don't need that, I don't need to give that to anybody else. It all works together. It all works together we are called to serve. And if we are unwilling and unable to participate in this culture of serving, and I mean receiving as well as giving, we are rejecting the principles on which the kingdom of God has been built. Pastor, you don't understand. It just doesn't fit my schedule. You know, Pastor, it's just, it's just not in my nature. It doesn't doesn't match my skill set to serve other people. Friends, these exemptions are found nowhere in the scriptures. They are excuses that you and I make. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul talks about Jesus' example. And he said, although he was God, he was willing to take on the form, the very nature of what? Say it! A servant! That Jesus, the creator of the universe, was willing to take upon himself flesh and blood and come to earth as a servant of others. Wow. Pastor, I just, you know what? It's just, I, I, I don't know if I have time to do that. I don't know if, if that's really, you know, that's it's requiring too much of, you know, being around people and I just, you know, do you have something different where I don't have to be around anybody? You know, is, oh, pastor, that's a little, that's just out of my comfort zone. That's just, that's, ah, you know. Friends, we've got to really take a look at things. It's time for us to serve one another in love. Amen. Number two. Mary washes Jesus' feet. There, in the Gospels, there's different stories. Uh, there's stories of, of different women who wash Jesus' feet. We know that one is very definitely Mary, the sister of Lazarus. The other is unnamed. Uh, let me read from Luke chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned it, but in Africa, it is it is really common to preach an hour. Um, that's how they consider it church. After 40 minutes, that's when they really consider it to start being church. And I've preached in Africa a lot since I've been gone. So if I, if I hit that hour mark, you just, you know, put your hand up and say we've had it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys uh, <laughs> you are like, get sick or something because we got to get out of here. Luke 7, 37 and 38, a, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet uh, wipe, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, the assumption by Bible commentaries here is that this woman is a prost- or had been a prostitute. Okay? The setting is the home of a Pharisee. Now, this home was not like the homes that we visited there in Yaoundé because every home we visited in Yaoundé had a gate, a big metal gate, and it was locked, okay? But it wasn't exactly like our homes either. They were open, and it was not uncommon for just people to basically walk into certain areas of the home and if you were having a gathering, that they would just come in and they would have access to observe. And that's what was happening. Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus to come over for dinner and they were reclining at the table. We don't understand that. We sit at the table. We tell our come sit at the table. Sit, sit. Right? Do you remember when I said that, that brought back a flashback from when I, sit, sit at the table. They, they would, the, the table would be very very small, very short, and they would lay at the table. And so Jesus was reclining at the table, and his feet would not be toward the table. His feet would be away from the table. And this woman has access into this room and she obviously knows who Jesus is. She obviously believes that he is the Messiah, that he is the Redeemer, and that he has forgiven her from her life of prostitution. And she comes and at his feet, she begins to cry. I don't think this was necessarily her plan, but she begins to weep. She begins to cry and i can I can imagine the the just the emotion that she's overwhelmed with, the gratitude, and she's she their tears of joy, their tears of forgiveness, and she cries, and then she realizes, "Oh no, I've just cried all over his feet." And so I think in a moment of of deciding what to do, she realizes that maybe the only thing she has is her own hair, and she takes her hair, and she begins to wipe those tears from his feet, and even wipe the dust and the dirt that is mingled with her tears that now sort of looks like a muddy mess, and she is wiping those from his feet. And then she takes the perfume and decides that she's going to 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 pour the perfume and, and the scripture says that she kisses his feet. I imagine her in this moment of, of 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 for her what is intimate worship and she's kissing them and she is thanking God for forgiveness and she is wiping his feet and she's anointing those feet and putting that perfume on there out of a heart of gratitude and love and worship. Now, I want you to understand something, that while this is happening, no one is technically paying attention to her. I don't know why you've made it hard for me not to pay attention to somebody who's crying on my feet, wiping them with her hair, and then putting perfume on them. But nobody's really paying attention to her. But Simon the Pharisee mocks what she's doing. And he said, you know, and really he's not even mocking her, he's mocking Jesus. He said, if this guy were really a prophet, he would know who is touching his feet. And just to give you the understanding here, okay, in this culture... As I, as I said earlier, it was common if you were hosting someone and they came into your home, you offered them water to clean their feet. And Jesus said, Simon, you have offered me nothing. You have not, and, and, and you think, oh my word, he made a mistake. No, he didn't. The Bible says that the Pharisees are all about the praises of men. They don't make those kinds of mistakes. Because they want the praises from other people. So they're going to make sure that they always go above and beyond. This was an intentional oversight by Simon. He was dissing Jesus. Jesus said, Simon, you haven't offered me anything to wash my feet. She has come in and she has wiped my feet with her tears She has put perfume on them. She has not stopped kissing them since I came in. So Jesus, in talking to Simon, he tells a story. And he says, Simon, there were two men that owned a loan shark money. And we'll just put some figures on them, you know, just to give us you know, some context for us here today, but we'll just say one guy owed the loan shark $50,000 and the other guy owned the loan shark $5,000. And neither of them were able to pay the loan shark back. And that's a bad thing because there are repercussions. But the loan shark, in some moment of, of, uh, of, of just mercy, decides he's going to forgive both guys. Jesus said to the pharisee he said who do you think loved the lone shark more and simon the pharisee said well the guy who was forgiven 50000 would love him more than the guy 5000 and he said you know what you're absolutely right and this woman realizes how much she has been forgiven luke 7:47 Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. This woman recognized that Jesus was the source of her forgiveness, and Simon the Pharisee did not acknowledge that Jesus was the Messiah. This type of foot washing that we're talking about is no longer this way, okay? It's no longer lateral, it is vertical, okay? It is vertical. And it is vertically upward, okay? It is between the individual and Jesus, and we would call it worship. There's a context for this for us. When we get together as the church and we begin to worship and we begin to lift up the name of Jesus, are we moved? Are we engaged? Are we worshiping? Or do we say, Pastor, that's it's just not my personality. I'm not a very outgoing person. I'm not, I'm not nearly as good of a singer as Nikki is or Marie. I don't, I don't play an instrument like someone else. Pastor, you don't understand the way I grew up. We just didn't do things like that. Friends, the, the worship that we give is a reflection of the value that we place on our forgiveness. Do, should I say that again? Or do you want me to just move on? It's, it's the truth. The worship that flows out of us is in direct correlation to our view of our forgiveness and the value of that. This woman was not concerned at all. You ever worship next to somebody that is not worried about anybody else? They smack you in the head all the time. <laughs> They're, and they're loud. Jesus! I love you, Lord! And they, they have no space boundaries. They're, they're, they're all over the place. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, some of them even have the gall to, like, kneel down or, or to come forward or, or sway. You know, I love, I love swayers. I, I, I think I sway quite, you know, and I'm always hitting my wife in the head with my elbow. I'm sorry, honey. She didn't care about who saw her. She didn't care what anybody would say because she was kissing his feet. Because she, she didn't care that somebody would say, man, this lady, she's crying all over his feet. She didn't care what they would say. Oh, her hair smells like dirty feet. No. She just wanted to worship him. Friends, we need to get in touch with what we have been forgiven of. We need to worship at his feet. That was good. I don't care what you say. That was good. We need to worship. We need to worship at His feet. We need to humble ourselves before God when we worship not caring what others think. In, in Revelation 19, there's a great multitude that will shout, okay? Now, now I love, I, th- I love, I love the U.P., and I love Youpers, and the heart of Youpers is the Finlander, okay? The heart, and, and Finlanders, it's, they're not shouters, okay? The, do you, I, and, and I'm just being honest about the culture, okay? But friends, there's gonna come a day when we are gathered together when we shout, hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns, and we do it in one voice as the body of Christ. Ephesians 6, verse 7, it says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. In our worship, we we offer worship to him. Serving is when, serving is we worship Jesus by meeting the needs of other people. Serve other people as if, as if you're, you're not serving people. You're actually serving Jesus. So when you're on the roof and you're swinging the hammer, Rod, when we're, when we're taking shingles off, when we're picking shingles up, what are we doing? We're, we're, not, we're not serving. Necess- I mean, we are, but really it's Jesus that we're serving. Heather, when we're, when we're, when we're at Feeding America and we're hosting a family, we're not serving them. We're serving Jesus. It's worship. We're at his feet. We're crying tears of joy for our, for our salvation. We're wiping his feet in an intimate moment of worship when we serve other people. You say, man, Pastor, I just, I struggle. I struggle. Let me tell you something. I, 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 I mentioned it earlier before I began to preach, but Philippians 2 10 and 11 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Friends, as believers, we're going to kneel. We're going to bow. We're going to worship. We better not wait until we get there. That needs to be something that flows out of us right here, right now. Our very relationship with Jesus is characterized by serving. And if there's no serving, we need to look ourselves in the mirror and ask about our relationship. Scenario number three is Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. The background I'm an African time. <laughs> I'm on African time. I'm hurrying. The background is the night. It's the night of the Last Supper. It's the day before he's crucified. And Jesus gets up from the meal. I'm not going to take the time to read it from John 13. Jesus gets up from the meal. He takes off his, his outer clothing. And he takes a towel and he puts it around his waist. And he... Goes with he takes a, a basin of water, and he goes to each of his disciples, and it says that he washes their feet. Peter throws a fit, says, "Jesus, nope, never, never, Jesus, you're never going to wash my feet." And the question is why? Why does Jesus throw or Peter throw a fit about this? And I'll tell you why. Peter was the one that had said earlier, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? Peter understood who Jesus was. And now, the son of the living God is offering to wash his feet. Peter said, listen, I'm, 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 I'm nothing. I'm nobody. Why would you wash my feet? Peter understood. He was throwing a fit because of his love and his respect for Jesus And Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part in me. Peter said, wash me all. Wash me all, Lord, if that's what it takes. So in a few hours, Jesus would be arrested. He's taking the bread and the cup. He's going to be crucified soon. Why did he wash their feet? What does it tell us? It's one thing to be served by someone beneath you. It's another thing to be served by someone who is lateral, okay? But it's another thing to be served by someone that's above you. Peter feels completely unworthy to have his stinky feet washed by the Messiah, And Jesus is demonstrating to his disciples the humility of serving those that our society might tell us are lower than us. It's not as visible in our culture. It's a little more visible where we were in Yaoundé in Cameroon. It's it's a little more visible. Jesus said, you call me teacher, you call me Lord, and that's right, because that's what I am. But this example of foot washing, again, it's vertical, but it's in a descending pattern. It's Jesus, the Messiah, washing the feet of his disciples. It's the one who created the heavens and the earth, reaching down and washing the feet of a bunch of fishermen. It's completely against their culture. It's even against our human nature. Paul says to the Philippians in humility, value others above yourself. And Jesus encouraged Paul encourages them to emulate Jesus. So this week we're gonna we're gonna have serve week. And we've looked at at three different examples of foot washing in the scripture. And we can look at those and, and we can see, okay, I, I get it, that we need to love one another and, and, be, and, and be in humility toward one another and minister to one another's needs, and I can get that. You know, I understand that, that with Jesus, I need to lift up my worship to Him. I need to sit at His feet. I need to adore Him. I need to lift Him up. I get that. But man, serving those that are beneath us, that, I, I mean, it's, it's hard but we are called to serve others. There are opportunities that we're going to have this week, but it's going to require something. It's going to require, and I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, one of the most incredible blessings that you and I have been given by being born in this country is the ability to choose how we use our time. We put this week together for serve week so that together we could use our time and together we could accomplish more than we could accomplish if we just individually went to use our time. And so I want to challenge you because there's a lot of people that, that this idea of serve week has completely, you've just missed it. You've said, you know, I, I really haven't thought about it all that much. There are still people that are needed to serve. And I'm going to tell you this, you need to serve. You. You say, pastor, you don't understand how much I work. You need to serve this week. You say, pastor, you don't understand my schedule. You don't understand my responsibility. You don't understand the number of kids that I've got that I take. You need to serve. You need to find a way to to serve. And it's not that the things that we're doing are the only things that can be done. It's just that this is what we put together to help you with it, to give you the opportunity. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to give at least one full week this week, or one full day this week, one full day. You say, pastor, there's, there's no way that I can do it. Then you give part Of days that will equal at least. There's some of you that can give the entire week. There are some of you that can give two days. I want to challenge you that through your serving to, to be at the feet of Jesus, washing his feet, worshiping him as you serve.